Welcome to the Stargate Sunday podcast. I'm Ryan. This is my boy, Kevin. Say hi, Kevin. That's me. That's me. We're continuing our Stargate Sunday series on seven days to Rock and Stone Guardians. Uh, Today's episode is The Enemy Within. Technically, episode 1.03. But because the first episode is technically a two-parter, we're just going to consider this episode two. And how do you feel about this episode? <laughs> we were just discussing this. We're not huge fans of this episode. It really took this first season a few episodes to really get going. I want to say that the episode that I really find to be the best, I would say is probably the fifth episode. Technically, it's going to be the fourth that one's called the Broken Divide. That one's in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll end up going over. But unfortunately, these next two episodes are just the worst rated, uh, terrible, terrible episodes. But we got to get yeah, through. I feel like there's there's is good stuff there. It's just like, we'll get into it, but... The next, the next episode for sure is a swing and a miss. Emancipation is just a swing and, and a huge miss. But we'll, we'll go over that one when we hit it. But this one... This one's just sort of kind of slow-paced. It starts off and ends pretty much... I mean, the whole episode takes place inside of Stargate Command. They don't go to any planets. They don't really deal with anything other than the summary from what happened last episode. So Now that's interesting because I watched uh, a different episode, I think, because on Netflix, the third episode is definitely uh, the... One with uh, Captain Carter, where she's, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I think it's a different episode, because they go to a planet. That's the one with the Mongols, right? Yes. That's the third episode. Yes. Technically the third episode in the, that they have on Netflix, but it's the fourth episode in the series. So you may have watched the wrong one. Maybe. <laughs> uh, That's okay. Well, I'll... Possibly, yeah. I I'm not even gonna make you go back and watch this one. I'll uh, I'll be happy to explain <laughs> what happened and and how it works, and we'll get some we'll get some good stuff from you. Yeah. So <laughs> let's uh, let's start off with a recap from the previous episode. So a lot happened in that episode. We're not gonna go into too much. Hopefully, you watched it and are following along with us. That episode ended with uh, Charles Kowalski having been infected by an infant Gould. Now, I thought he was completely taken over from that Gould, which is non... Uh, I would say non... consecutive with what goes on in the lore. Infant Goulds that aren't mature enough can't really take over human hosts just yet. However, after watching this episode, I was completely baffled as the fact that they that's how they played it out in this very early episode, so... I was very happy about that part. So, uh, Charles Kowalski has been taken over. Uh, <clears throat> and let's let's just go over a little synopsis of uh, this particular episode. So, while Stargate Command and the military decide Tilk's fate, and unbeknownst to the team, a nearly mature Gould is slowly taking control of Major Charles Kowalski. With little time remaining, the only way to save him is by careful and potentially life-threatening surgery in order to remove it. That's 
that's a pretty good synopsis. It really is very cut, dry, slow-paced. Everything takes place on the base. It's, it's not so. Not if crazy. I'm hearing this correctly, they thought it was a good idea to have the second episode be essentially administrative duties the episode they did not consider going to another planet to be in their best interest for the story now i i I can't question brad Wright because it really starts to take off in a couple of episodes so this may have been some background stuff that we just needed to know for further um, information down the line so in this case we're starting off the episode inside stargate operations uh, Major General George Hammond, played by Don S. Davis, uh, has gotten the go-ahead to use the cartouche to spit out a whole bunch of new places for them to go. So he's going over with uh, Major Charles Kowalski and Jack O'Neill where they're going to be going, and Jack and 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 Chucky, uh, or Charlie as he likes to call him basically are going over which ones they want to take. And uh, obviously, General Hammond gives them the old, I'll tell, I'll tell you exactly where you're going to go. I'm the one who, who's in charge. <laughs> I'm so, the one who decides your fate. So he sort of lays down the law on that one. And uh, what's really interesting about the beginning of this episode is that they treat any and all incoming tr- wormholes as an ultimate threat. Like, they don't even take chances on here. Uh, it starts off with a, uh, an incoming wormhole, and they're like, okay, shut the goddamn iris, let's turn on the self-destruct set for three minutes, and if uh, if we close off the wormhole and we're safe, then we'll turn off that, that self-destruct. And I'm like, that is some serious, that's some serious shit right there. Let's talk about that for a second here that they would immediately jump to let's self-destruct the base in case the iris fails <laughs> right that i mean that is uh that's pretty extreme that's very extreme that's just absolutely crazy that they went they went from okay well maybe this thing will open maybe this thing won't to we're not taking any fucking chances immediately set the self-destruct and hope that we don't make a mistake when we go to type in our passwords next time around. And this this happens a few times early on in the episode where incoming wormholes just keep coming. So they're constantly uh, <clears throat> constantly setting the self-destruct and closing the iris. Now later on in the series, they'll end up just closing the iris and calling it a day because... You don't really need to self-destruct. It doesn't make any sense. If they can't get through the iris, there's really no point. Right. Uh, I, what happens in that scenario, like, because they're already moving through the, the wormhole. If they mm. move through the wormhole and there's this metal barrier, are they just getting smushed? Uh, yes. They actually kind of go over what happens. Um, I said, so, uh, Samantha Carter mentions that the iris is three, um, I believe it was mac- micrometers. Yeah, three micrometers from the event horizon of the wormhole. So, 
extremely thin. So when you think about it, what's happening is you're getting these small cross sections of a person or an object that are coming in, smashing these, these fractions of a person into atoms against a titanium-laden uh, iris wall. Yeah, they're getting ground into... Like, like where's all that? Like, I'd like to know where all that stuff's going. Right, does the... Because it's so close to the event horizon, once it gets ground down, are they just getting is sent it, right back? Is it falling down? Is it falling into the event horizon? They did mention. They do mention as part of the lore, you can't go two directions in a wormhole. A wormhole can only right. be established in one direction. So if it goes back into the event horizon and it turns off, I assume all of that stuff is gone. Obliterated into atoms. So in that gate room, they're probably just breathing it all in, which is <laughs> kind of gross to think about. Pretty gross. I mean, it's really no different <clears throat> than just being in a room with, uh, you know, someone passing some righteous gas. I mean, yes, yes, that's that's definitely true. Here's here's a continuity thing that I think that they didn't think about in this episode when. The wormhole establishes, you see that wonderful, wonderful CGI uh, cinematic that still holds up today, in my opinion. You know which one I'm talking about? So hey, hey, you're, you're talking about the wormhole experience. Yeah. So, yeah, the one you see every time a wormhole gets established, a yeah. giant wave pool shoots outside of the gate and then comes back and turns into this tiny little tiny little pool of water um i mean it's pretty sweet that's a pretty good cgi effect it still holds up today it's pretty damn good um and the way that they handle the coloring and stuff in the background when you're when you're looking at someone who's looking at the gate that's pretty fun too but continuity error here um anything that's inside of the event horizon as it's forming usually gets destroyed in this episode, they accidentally left the iris closed in between two incoming wormholes. Um, and the iris should have been destroyed. Now, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure that it should have been fucking destroyed. But it wasn't. Uh, they say it's made of titanium, right? Yeah, but t- it doesn't matter what anything's made out of, as long as oh, it's... Yeah, I mean, titanium is not going to withstand the forces, the massive forces of a wormhole... The energy it takes to establish a wormhole, no way. No, completely destroyed. And later on, they even make it even stronger with uh, a new element that they find called trinium. So they end up taking that and turning it into their iris once this one gets destroyed. But I'm not going to go into that. That's a little too far down yeah, the, let's, uh, down let's the road. Some, some juicy bits for later. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's just the weird part about the, the beginning of the episode. And uh, from there, what ends up happening is um, Charles Kowalski ends up experiencing blackouts and powerful headaches. So he ends up going into um, he ends up going to the to the doctor, getting some pills, getting checked out, and then this is when the Goa'uld ends up taking over for a few moments, and then he ends up killing the first guy who's checking him over. 
Now, how how does he kill that guy? Cause does he kick him real hard? No, no. What he does is he he uh, he ends up grabbing him by the neck and strangling him. Probably you don't really see it. It happens off off screen, but that's probably what happens. Well, that's interesting because that does, that's not something that takes like a minute. Like, that takes some time to strangle somebody. Uh yeah, especially when you think that there were other people inside of that particular uh, area. Yeah, and not to mention, in addition to that, uh, that, like, his adrenaline would have spiked, uh, likely would have had, like, other uh, reactions to the experience, and, like, you have to think, like, that probably would have disrupted something that wasn't experienced in controlling another being at that point. So it definitely feels like a ha-ha plot point. Well, all gold are uh, carry genetic memories, so they know everything that all previous golds know. They just aren't strong enough to continuously hold someone until they're mature at some point, and uh, they discover how to do that. Yeah, I know. I I wish I was strong enough to, to be held. (laughs) (laughs) moving on well moving on from there so Kowalski ends up blacking out and and he's just standing in front of the the Stargate and everyone's like what are you doing there Kowalski and it's like I don't know I'm just standing here and I'm like oh okay moving on apparently nobody found the the dead doctor until much later in the episode but from there let's let's talk about um Teal'c, and what I consider to be one of the more or less, or more or less, unstrategic or non-strategic things that you would do as someone who's probably been in the army or or air force in this case for twenty plus years, trusting a known enemy to be on your team. So what what ends up happening is someone from the Pentagon, in this case Colonel Martin Kennedy from the Pentagon, is headed towards Stargate Command to question Teal'c to find out everything he knows about the Goa'uld. In the meantime, Teal'c, who had recently come to Stargate Command, questioned by Colonel Martin Kennedy of the Pentagon. Once again, uh, so this is a recurring theme, too, that you'll find out. It seems like everyone who's underneath Colonel Ken... or, 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 uh, Major General George Hammond just loves to be insubordinate, especially if they come from the Pentagon. Like that one, uh, Colonel Samuels from the first episode was a total douche. Question everything that the general did. Eventually he becomes even more of a douche. But this Colonel, Martin Kennedy, just loves to be insubordinate throughout this entire episode. Like he's above the, the Major General. Like, this, this okay. is just a recurring theme, and it's like, why is no one treating General George Hammond with any sort of respect? How rude. I don't know if that's what you've gotten from the few episodes that you've watched, but... Well, it's... I mean, like, in that first episode, like, you kind of understand where he's coming from, but he's also kind of a huge asshole. Uh, Samuels? Uh, the general. The general, yes. Yeah. Like, you know, starting off with, like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to shove this 
you know, grade of 11 billion nuclear weapon in there and uh, just fucking obliterate the planet. You know, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Uh, are you okay with me putting a, a giant ass nuclear weapon into destroying that planet? Mm-hmm. Where you could have just been like, yo, I know you lied to me. Just like, tell me. Tell me your shit. But we were talking about how everybody loves to be insubordinate. For yeah, the general. for the general, I don't like. I don't get it. Like this guy is straight up. Like I know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm gonna be all over it. It's really stupid. Ah, uh, well, let's, we'll save that discussion for for another time. But um, so Colonel Martin Kennedy shows up to to question Tilk, tries to get some information from him, and this is where we learn a couple of different things. Like, <clears throat> for instance, that there are multiple system lords, not just Apophis, uh, who rule over multiple planets. And what what Colonel Kennedy is trying to get out from him is like, is there is there any way of negotiating with these characters? And obviously, Tuke's like, no, there's no well, way I mean, of negotiating at all. What would you even offer a, a inter galactic civilization that like enslaves people exactly what the hell do you have that they possibly could need and my my thing is nice wristwatch you know yeah it's like here like all they want is your resources and your peoples to be enslaved to gather those resources for them yeah they they could give a crap about all, all of that what would you negotiate with them absolutely fucking nothing so they find out that there are multiple system lords, including Apophis. Um, the sh- the attack ships, the spaceships that they own, would take months to gather and and possibly even years to to make it to Earth from wherever they are. So that establishes in this continuity that there is really no threat, or at least immediate threat, until that uh, people of Earth become even more of a threat to the gold from a spaceship attack. Which is nice. It's nice to think. That means that the only thing they're going to try and do is stick around with you through the Stargate. And as long as there's right. something protecting the Stargate, in this case, the Iris, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine for now. Hey, yeah, at this point, the humanity would be like a, an annoyance. Yeah. At this at this point, they're just a small nuisance that doesn't matter too much because they haven't done a whole lot to anybody. Um, and interestingly enough, this is the episode where they first use the uh, the name the Tari, or mm. the the first ones, I guess, is what what it is. <clears throat> he said that there's a legend among the Jaffa where the Gold came across a planet where they discovered. Uh, uh, new hosts that they could take and uh, peoples that they can enslave and then genetically manipulate into Jaffa and all that jazz. Well, they come to find out um, that's actually Earth. And and Tilka's like super surprised. He's like, what? That's, that's Earth? Come on now. Earth? Ha <laughs> ha. And Colonel o- O'Neill's like, yeah, the, the people of Earth long time ago sealed off the Stargate to, to protect us from Ra and all them. 
like I said, this one's really slow paced. There's not a whole lot going on uh, other than what's going on with Kowalski. Kowalski ends up um, uh, going through an MRI where the Dr. Warner discovers that he has a symbiote attached to him. And it's like wrapped, coiled around his friggin' spinal cord, right around his neck. So you're saying they spent an entire, what, 45 minutes? Yeah, I mean, that, that. I mean, they find out that he's got the, the symbiote around him, and they come up with a, a most ridiculous plan to have it removed. They give Kowalski a 10 to 12% chance of actually surviving the surgery, where at the same time possibly not even being able to walk or move again uh, when they okay. complete it. And and it's like, okay, so then they tie him up after they discover he's got to go old in him. And then they discover the dead the dead friggin' body. It's like, holy shit, that's insane. So they do some experimentation on the larval gould inside of um, Teal'c to find out what kind of anesthetic to use on him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that's what they use on, on Major Kowalski. So what they end up doing is they end up doing the surgery um after the surgery's over it seems like they've actually gotten the gould out it's like oh that's cool super cool and then they're like okay charles you're all you're all set now uh go about your day and then of course goulds being the fact that they are cartoonish megalomaniacs who are bent on uh, all sorts of destruction asks to see teal before teal gets dragged off to the pentagon for for more questioning and experimentation on the only larval ghoul that they have available to them now. Uh, Teal'c walks into the room. Uh, Kowalski has to be alone with them. And they go to shake hands. And then all of a sudden, Kowalski frickin' like cartoonishly shoves his head, like swivels it really quick, with his eyes uh, glowing white towards Teal'c and goes... Um, gives him an option of serving him or he's going to kill him right then and there. And then he attempts to escape through the Stargate, which, remember how we were discussing last week that <clears throat> Apophis, how the hell did he figure out how to, to do the, the gate, to dial home the gate without a DHD? Yes, yes. Yes, so, I mean, you could you could explain the fact that Kowalski knows how to use the DHD computer that they set up. But mm-hmm. how the hell does this cool all of a sudden know where to go, how to dial in, what friggin' stuff to use? It's like okay, they sort of you can all you can you can play that off with the lore that they've sort of set up at this point, but it's kind of crazy. It's still kind of crazy. You just don't don't get it, especially since Kowalski. I'm fairly certain yeah, didn't know how to use that it. computer. I get it. Yeah, you ready? You ready for it? Yeah, plot device. <laughs> Bastards! Absolutely. Yeah. Shit. I mean, that's that. That's just how those things went, and like the early episodes of stuff where they're like, "Is this gonna be successful?" Like, I don't need to create this thing because, like, there wasn't there wasn't that much stuff out there. So, like, what were people gonna do? Go watch something else? Uh, I guess it's like we don't have to be super technical about it. No one's gonna be a douche when criticizing it. And then guys like us went, went ahead and decided we were going to make rewatch 
podcasts about it and get real technical. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. I'm getting real technical about it. Now I don't I care too much about that, but it's it's stuff like that just drives me up a wall. Anyway, so the ghoul manages to subdue uh, the two airmen who are outside the door after subduing Teal'c, who is a much larger man than Kowalski, number one. <clears throat> the two airmen are, are out cold, and he runs to the gate room, uh, smacks and destroys the wrist of, of Walter, the uh, airman who's in charge of the chevrons locking, you see him oh. a couple of times. You know the guy I'm talking about. The guy with the glasses, who's mm-hmm. in all sorts of other things in the 90s because he's part of some really important production company. But he's there, and it's like... So it's kind of funny because he just sort of smacks his wrist. Like, he doesn't, like, grab it and snap it. He smacks it. And it just... It, he looks like he's broken it or something like that. It's quite It's quite funny. My wrist... Uh, the guy's name is Gary Jones. Ooh. Gary Jones as Walter Harriman. All right. I'll have to look up what other mo- what other shows he's in because S- search Google for Mr. Gary Jones, the actor, because he was in a lot of '90s stuff. He did make some appearances in Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> do do do. Stargate Universe. Oh. Oh. He's all over the place. He is. He is. Uh, Andromeda. He was in Andromeda. Okay. He was in Santa Claus 2. Okay. Some weird stuff. Uh, Some weird stuff he's been in. Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist, The Legacy. The Sentinel, Murder at My Door, Highlander. Not the movie, the television show. Slyer, Sliders, that's where I've seen him before. He plays... Oh, yeah, he sliders. plays... He plays... Um, what's Jerry O'Connell's? Quinn. Quinn Mallory and Wade Wilson's... Yeah, Wade Wilson's... Is that her name? Is it Wade Wilson? Um, I honestly don't remember. Well, her name is Wade for sure. I know that for certain. So yeah. he plays their boss at the computer store. He's in like three episodes. He shows up in a couple of the alternate dimensions. I was like, he's been in a bunch of different stuff. And they're probably all related to the fact that that's the kind of work you can get when you're a random actor from nowhere. I can't... Uh... Uh, uh, my brain just melted. The <laughs> um, uh, character actor. Yes, he's got a very specific character archetype that he has to play. <clears throat> so, to close out this episode, um, the gold has made it. He's turned the gate on. He's running up to the to the gate, and he finds Tilks in front of him. So he yells out a few things and go old, like Cree, which you hear a lot, which just means attention or some some nonsense like that. So he runs at him, they get into a bit of a fight, and what he ends up doing is putting Kowalski's head halfway through the event horizon, 
and then they shut off the gate. That's just rude. That's just rude. Is right. Essentially slices his head in half and kills uh, Kowalski and uh, the Gould. And this is apparently enough to convince General Hammond, who was able to also convince the president to let Teal'c join SG-1. And They were like, bro, that shit was so he's, yeah, he's, sick. He's been there less than a week. He's saved some people's lives. And that's enough to convince them to allow him to hold his weapon and go out to different planets as part of an elite team for them. Which does make a lot of sense to me, strategically. But, like I said... Whoa, whoa. Are you questioning what the President of the United States said about an alien? I wouldn't even go... Put a past on, on this one. This one was just... It was so awful. It's not the worst episode. It's just one of the worst episodes. It just sounds... Um, what's that word? Boring. <laughs> it was extremely boring. For a show about space aliens and gates to other worlds, do I want to hear about paperwork and things? No. No, I don't. I want to see goddamn space lasers. And, you know, I do appreciate them uh you know cutting somebody's head off because that's you know yeah it got a little interesting at the end but that was less than three minutes of action like right yeah this whole episode was extraordinarily boring uh i would rate it as a perfectly okay to skip episode if i were gonna, uh, if i were re-watching the show on my own i would skip this episode entirely yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I'm missing anything by not having watched or paid attention to that one. No, I would say you did miss a gosh darn thing. This one was, for all intents and purposes, unnecessary. Other than to establish Teal'c as the fourth member of SG-1. That's really all it did. Teal'c! So in terms of plot, for the whole series as a whole, that's all it did was established Teal'c as a fourth member of the of the team. Fun. Yeah. And then that's really it. I mean, we can cut this one pretty short. Because like like that episode, <laughs> it was awful. It was awful to talk about. It was awful to watch. I <laughs> I highly recommend not watching that episode, skipping it. Skipping the next one that we're gonna talk about. Going straight yeah, on to episode. I, I feel like you could safely skip the next one too. It was. I mean, it, it has some parts that are like okay, but then you get deeper into it. You're like, hmm, maybe not. Really? Probably not. It's not. It's yeah. Not. I mean, it's not super relevant. The, the next episode, Emancipation, is going to end up being the worst rated on IMDb episode they ever uh, produced. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to talk about about yeah. what happened. Yeah, it's yeah. We'll go into that one in more detail on the next episode. 
of Stargate Sundays. This has been a painful podcast to get through, only because of the content of this episode. Yeah, I mean, it, it really doesn't sound like there's much we could say about it to make it feel or sound any more interesting. No, there's nothing we can do to, to spice this one up. So, unfortunately, uh, if, if you're following along, feel free to watch the next episode only for the fact that you get to see Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat. Oh. Yeah, as <clears throat> usual, totally badass. Very badass probably the highlight of the episode but the plot of the episode is extremely painful and difficult to watch yeah ouch just like this this one this one just sort of starts and ends and it's that's it that's all you get so we'll move on uh we'll see you again next time around uh catch us on friday for our comic books talk comic talk and uh, we may have some special guests coming up. We'll have to convince some of our friends who are also into comic books and Stargate to come talk with us. Hell yeah. But until then, this has been Kevin and Ryan with Seven Days to Rock and Stone. Guardians. Bye. Yeah.